Hello and welcome to Rocket Accelerated Geek Conversation. This episode is brought to you by Factor. I'm Simone de Rochefort, supervising video producer at Polygon, and I'm here today with Christina Warren, senior developer advocate at GitHub, and Brianna Wu, executive director at Rebellion Pack. Can I tell y'all about a bad thing that happened to me today? What happened? Yes. What happened? I went to Coney Island with my much younger, not that much younger, not that much younger direct report today. And I had misplaced my sunglasses. <gasps> um, yeah, already bad. And the, the mini golf attendant said, you can go in and look for your sunglasses. And then said to my colleague, my coworker, my younger coworker, go help your mom. Oh, oh my no. God. Oh no. <laughs> Do I need to help you like hide a body? Are you okay? I'm not oh okay. Oh my God. No, that's not okay. Okay, <laughs> what? Also, okay first what? of all, the only, I mean, look, like you, at the Taylor Swift concert, you did kind of look like my mom, but that was, I, I'm, I'm joking. I, I'm Just joking. I was going to say, oh. that was only because you were tall and we look alike. And pe- everyone thought we were sisters, actually. Um, yeah. Same age sisters, really. Yeah. Which is fair because we are the same age. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yep. and, and And I've made deals with the devil to not age, but you do not look like anyone's mom, let alone like a, how old is this person? Like 24? Well, here's the thing. Uh, she's 23, I believe. Okay. However, however, okay, some some context for you. She was dressed as Mario at the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that doesn't help. That doesn't help. I know. Tall, help. I know. No. No, well, I was going to say, but how tall is she? <laughs> she's shorter than me, and I did the math. So if I had had a child when I was 18, she she could, would be 14, and I think that she can pass for 14 is the thing, especially when dressed as Mario. It's still... Still, I, I, I'm, I'm very mad at this attendant for you. We need to kill them. You don't look yeah. like you don't yeah. look old enough to be anyone's mom. Yeah, you're. That's, that's this, this is dumb. Fourteen-year-old who dresses as Mario at Coney Island. I need to ask a clarifying question. Yes. How? Tell me about the attendant that said that to you. Was it so kindly? Like, so well, what so age well are they? Was it a dude? Was uh, it a, a woman of middle oh. age? Oh God! Oh, that's even worse. Uh, yeah, honestly, no, no, one hundred percent. She should know better. Always. I I have to write down so just just jotting down F many times. Brie just, and Christina in just, my shadows. Just, just, it's just bleep it. It is called for. Just just bleep the just bleep the whole thing. And Jim is going to be well, listening to okay, this okay. and going. Okay, no, great. No, great. No, he's not. No, Bree, Bree, your your mic is hot. If you okay. want to like just just fine, like fine, like fine. step back a little bit. Sorry, just just uh making a note of that. But yeah, no. Sorry, this, so passionate about this. Yeah, no, it's absolutely ridiculous. And um, wow. Now I've come back the other way because you were both so mad on my behalf. Now I and now I love to be Tina's mom. No, if it now was I'd like love to be the mom of a teenager. If it was some teenager, like you know, when you're a teenager, oh, like you a, don't know the difference yeah. between someone who's yeah, exactly. like you know, twenty five and thirty five. That's like, so true. They all look totally. the same to you, right? But yeah. If it's a, like a woman that's like fifty or something. Oh no! You've you've seen the movie. You know, like like you should have the skills to identify. Also, things. it's also yeah. it's happened to you where you've been right. mistaken as an older age, or you know right. what it's like when someone calls you ma'am and you're like, I'm not ma'am. 
I mean, oh, like, I love the, to be called ma'am. I think everyone in, should be called ma'am. <laughs> well, well, it will depends on what part of the country you're in. The gender in, in, assumption in, in, of it in all. The, in the dawn. south, um, in, in the south, like you can't take offense to it because you yeah. call small children ma'am and sir. Um, uh, but like, I, I don't, I definitely don't like being, you know, like I prefer Miss or Ms. You know, um, uh, like that's always always makes me feel good. I don't get Mrs. very often, which is very. Mm. very like good um a lot of my friends do though but uh, when i do i'm usually mrs warren and i'm like mm, that's 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 funny on <laughs> yeah, many like, levels gotcha gotcha Bang. got him my last name anyway let's get into today's stories now that i've gotten you both all spicy on my behalf yeah for freaking uh, real man <laughs> All right. Uh, we Oh, let me give my summary of the top of the show. Wow, we have a great show for you today. As always, we're going to be discussing a, a lightning hot Wall Street Journal piece on drug use in Silicon Valley. Then we'll be talking about the Mac Pro. Literally, we are going back to our roots, our bread and butter. We are so back. We're talking about a, a new Apple product uh, mm-hmm. and what the people out there, the professionals who this product is destined for, are saying about it. Then last week, we had talked about Brianna wanting to buy a drone for photography. Yes. We ended up on the conclusion of try try renting some, see how it is. Guess who rented some drones? Following through on her promise, Brianna Wu. So we're going to get an update on the drone situation, and I think that it's going to be pretty good. Uh, if you are a Boosty, a Rocket Booster subscriber, you get a bonus segment. You get an ad-free show and a bonus segment. And that bonus segment today is a spicy hot one. We are going to rank all of the people who have spoken publicly lately whose lawyers wish that they would just shut up. Yes. And yes. we're going to rank and them. Managers. Lawyers, lawyers and, managers. and managers. Yes. We're going to rank them by uh, the, the, the amount that their lawyers and managers wish that they would just shut up. I think that if you've been on Twitter uh, – you may have some people in mind that we're going to be ranking. We've also alluded to it in previous episodes of the show. There's been a couple segments lately where we've been like, this person's lawyers are pooping themselves. And finally, we're making good on uh, on discussing that. We're going to rank, rank several people who uh, should stop talking. One who already has. Actually, one person should stop singing, to be clear. Oof. Yeah, yeah. That's Not a really to spoil good. It, but yeah. n- the nuance is so important in these cases. I just cases, want to be accurate. Yeah. As lawyers know. Yes. <laughs> so if you're curious about that, if that's got you uh, tempted, go to relay.fm slash membership and learn how you can support our show directly and get an ad-free episode and a bonus segment every single week. Oh my gosh. All right, let's get into the show. A recent article in the Wall Street Journal discusses widespread drug use in Silicon Valley uh, by people from high-profile entrepreneurs like Elon Musk and Sergey Brin, as well as many other named and unnamed tech workers who use drugs like psilocybin, LSD, and ketamine at various frequencies for various reasons. The piece discusses how of late drugs have gone from being a non-discussed thing or a a more underground thing to being publicly touted by therapists or coaching startups or used widely at parties where attendants may sign NDAs uh, and jump into cuddle puddles, uh, which Hmm. I I find worse than the concept of all drugs uh, in existence. But we're not going to get into there because response to the piece has been what might one, one might call hugely, hugely 
judgy. Uh, we're going to discuss the piece. We're going to res- discuss the response to the piece. Riscuss. We're going to discuss the piece and the response to this, the piece. But before we get into that, is there any more context from the piece that y'all would like to add uh, that I may have glossed over in my summary? No, I think you've, I think you've got it. It's a, um, I thought, I mean, it was Dr. Near Wall Street Journal, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a, it's a piece kind of talking about uh, the use of psychedelics in Silicon Valley. It's not sensationalistic at all. I mean, it's obviously got well, the, it's a little the nuggets. Bit. It's a little uh, bit. Bit, uh, to, I thought as much as this particular subject could be, it was, it was neutral. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I yeah. I, look, I, I actually I know a lot about this space, and sure. um, and so I was actually impressed. Like when I read it, I actually thought that it was fairly nuanced. There were still things, I think, and there were conclusions that were being drawn, um, and there were kind of reactions that were being made that I didn't necessarily love. You know, I mean, like the, the mention of, of Tony Shea, for instance, I felt like was a little bit of a misnomer and was a little bit out of place. And I get it. The authors of the piece uh, wrote, um, uh, did, did the investigative reporting um, about Tony Shea, who was the, he was the founder um, and CEO of Zappos. And then after he left Zappos, he kind of um, ended up kind of, uh, you know, um, uh, falling to uh, to severe drug addiction. And that was basically just kind of everyone around him because he was, he had so much money, um, just basically no one was willing to say anything about it or do anything to get him help. Mm-hmm. Jewel was actually the one, the musician Jewel actually was, was the only one who really actively tried to help. And then he, he wound up dying um, in, in a fire in his home. Um, oh, and, and it was, it was a really tragic story. And, and so they wrote the story about that. And then they wrote, wrote a book or, or she wrote, she co-wrote a book um, about um, that um, circumstance. And it's a, it's a very sad story, but I think that, any attempt to try. And so I understand her point in wanting to mention that, but I personally did think I'm like, okay, I think that trying to draw a parallel in any way between what happened to Tony Shea, who had severe like substance abuse issues, longstanding mm-hmm. that did mm-hmm. impede his work and did do other things with, you know, Elon Musk, um, you know, use of ketamine, whether it is recreationally or medicinally, I, I just... I, I don't like having even that, like that, you know, errand of a kind of a connection there. I don't think that's earned. So yeah. that was, that was my qualm with it. But I think overall it actually did a much better job than the subsequent kind of pieces and reactions in very clearly stating the reasons and the research, because there's been a tremendous amount of research in the last uh, five or six years um, in, in the uh, psychedelics and, and um, uh, in uh, uh, MDA uh, drugs for, for treatment of depression. And, and that's actually like, we, we've seen now research into these sorts of, uh, things. Um, but the first time, honestly, in probably 40 or 50 years, there'd been a lot of research in the sixties and the seventies. It was shut down. The whole space was really, really, um, uh, stigmatized, but mm-hmm. there've been, there's been a tremendous amount of research happening. My, my own psychiatrist has talked to me about this quite a bit. He was talking to me about it before the FDA was even approving things. And so I was glad that at least the very real benefits were put out there and that it wasn't just reduced to Silicon Valley, you know, bros, whatever are, are, are getting high all the time on psychedelics. Yeah. I think that was kind of one of my takeaways from it to just dwell more on the tone just for another moment here yes, is that sure. because it was, I mean, I, I, I kind of came 
into it and out of it thinking, I think because of the tone and how non-sensationalistic it was, like then what is the, uh, I, I didn't feel like I learned much new from totally. it. Totally, absolutely. Maybe yeah. for, yeah. Maybe for I, the wider audience. Wall Street Journal can, audience, can, yeah. Can we pause? Like, yeah. Something we do on the show a little bit sometimes is we're so eager to get into the topic. I think we assume our listeners have read the article when, you know, yeah, sure. when sometimes they haven't. So I just wanted to give them an overview on this. Um, it's a piece that kind of talks about uh, uh, the use of psychedelics in Silicon Valley. It starts with kind of, you know, the sex that they've got to, like, jazz it up with, like talking about Elon Musk and his use of this uh, mm-hmm. according to his own claims, right? And then it goes and kind of gives you the salacious, like, details about the the Costco, the, the Silicon mm-hmm. Valley, uh, uh, you know, a pharmaceutical dealer that will give you uh, uh, pure stuff if you buy in bulk and talks about, like, how some people are, like, having professional chemists make, the, make it for them. But it's a really nuanced look on, um, like, looking at what the advantages can be and the kind of increase in culture according to the piece of people using this in Silicon Valley but also going out and interviewing uh, addiction specialists and what kind of the risks are uh, with uh, doing this yourself they talk a lot to uh, people that are uh, specialists with using ketamine to get over trauma and uh, they talk about how they, they have no qualms about doing that kind of work when it's with a therapist in a clinical setting but they have some extreme worries about people doing it uh, by themselves. So just wanted Mm -hmm. to give people kind of an overview of the piece. Yeah, thank you. And I think just because of that, like to the to your to Christina's earlier point, like, yeah, maybe for a segment of the Wall Street Journal audience, this feels new New. and different and educational. But then for me, it just it kind of felt like this is absolutely not surprising that people in this position with this amount of like, power and access and money would have access to like the whatever the cutting edge mm-hmm. pharmaceutical slash therapeutic methods of 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 using drugs are right right and and frankly even in silicon valley um but also any kind of rich space you know again like privileged space like nootropics and and these sorts of things are not new like i guess what is new is that things that for this particular audience and and there's to be clear there's a significant part of the the country. And it turns out even amongst people like you and I, Simone, like some of our peers who I was surprised who that uh-huh. they seem surprised that, you know, yeah, people, you know, are are doing more of this stuff. Cause in my own circles, it is very common that people um use things either under the uh, you know, guise of a uh, you know, for in the ketamine circumstances, it's almost always um under physician uh, in a clinical setting, right? Uh, for mm-hmm. uh, psychosilvan and, and for LSD and for other trips, it's usually not, but it is usually still in a in a trusted space where people are trying to take precautions. But in my circle of, of tech workers, like this is a known thing. So part of this, I read, I was like, well, obviously, but <laughs> uh, but I, I think there is probably an audience who hasn't thought about that. But again, this whole nootropic conversation and what can we do to advance ourselves, make ourselves better, and and to your earlier point, like whatever the best treatments are. Uh, and again, in this case, this is actually an area where the actual medical experts and even the FDA, they are all agreeing that there is very, very real medicinal impacts on this stuff. If it is uh, you know, treated the right way um, and and done, you know, at the right amounts and, and whatnot has the right uh, precautions being taken, that there's very, very, very real uh, benefits that are 
way more like the statistical advantages that we're seeing from some of this stuff in treatments for people with major depression is absolutely off the wall. It's it's mm-hmm. one of the most exciting things we've probably seen since SSRIs were, you know, kind of discovered uh, 30 plus years ago. So I was glad that that part was in it. My only other qualm, and then, and then I'll shut up, was, again, trying to kind of tie in Bob Lee, who was the uh, former um, cash app uh, guy who was was stabbed to death in San Francisco. And, you know, that story was tragic. Originally, yeah. you know, it was blamed on homeless men. Yeah. And Here's the thing. He's, was, they called him being part of the lifestyle. Yeah, he might have had special K, ketamine in his system. He also had cocaine in his system. I read that as, like, he was a guy who liked to party, which is not uncommon for rich people. Most, yeah. most, there's many, 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 many business people in all types of industries. Like all you have to do is live in New York and hang out with investment bankers or hang out at advertising executives if you want to see a tremendous amount of drugs. So the, the acting, like I still feel like the, the trying to draw a parallel between, oh, someone was on drugs and that's why they were murdered. Like that still doesn't track with me, right? Like lots of people do drugs. Yeah. I, I I really hear you, and I I don't want to come off as uncool like um, you know former addict uh, Brianna, but I and I, I hear what you're saying. There are a lot of people that can use this stuff responsibly. I was not right. Like I found myself in rehab in my early twenties because you know I had a really bad breakup. I could not sleep, um, and I went to a doctor and got a prescription for something. Right. Mm. And I never like went and did street drugs, but I found myself just um, with taking really powerful stuff. Right. Uh, I found myself more and more addictive. And then one thing spun into another uh, to the point that uh, it was a poly addiction uh, with Xanax, Ambien, uh, you know, painkillers at times, alcohol mm. um, just across the board. And like it nearly killed me. Right. Yeah. Totally. And I'm not, I, I, I certainly like, I'm not trying to be like after school special and being like, try, you know, ketamine just once and this is going to happen to you. Yeah. It's not my message, but there is a very real risk because there are some people out there that are like me. Sure. Right. So I think it's, I, I think the part of the article that's talking about how some people are only going to see their the upsides of what they're taking and they're going to minimize the downsides. That matches my entire experience with oh, everybody yeah. I knew in rehab, including myself. Oh, so, no. And, and yeah. to be clear, I think that you need to in, include those things. I just think that trying to draw conclusions, to me, I, I don't like the parallels where, because for instance, Elon has publicly said he takes ketamine for depression. And mm-hmm. then, then their reports are the ones that say that he does it recreationally. That is that is the rumor. That is not something that he has confirmed. And I just don't like any sort of trying attempts at having a, co- a connection between people who take something in a clinical setting for a treatment of a disorder to then tie that into that other type of abuse, which you talk about, which is very real, because that's the sort of thing that and we have the same stigma with ADHD meds. There are many people who probably are not well fitted by being on stimulants for various reasons. But if you have ADHD, you don't get high off of it. That's not how it works. Even taking more of it won't do that. Like our, the way our brains work is that it actually is the thing that lets us focus. It's And it's not even about the same way that college kids who aren't ADHD can take a drug and get a lot more done. It's like, no, this is literally the only thing that will make everything kind of shut up around me and I can, you know, 
have some sense of normalcy. And so I, I don't like the, and, and this article didn't do that to be clear, but what a lot of um, kind of some of the subsequent uh, kind of write-ups I think about this say, and what a lot of the general kind of consensus about stuff is, is I don't want these very important medical uh, breakthroughs we're having to then be dismissed or to make things get harder uh, the same way that it's very difficult for many people to get their stimulants right now, uh, which their doctors, they're under, you know, medical care and they need the drugs and they can't for various esoteric and bureaucratic reasons. Um, like, I don't want that to continue because things can be abused because many things can be abused, but that doesn't mean that we don't still, you know, try to, to treat people correctly. So that's, that's me mm-hmm. off my soapbox. No, I I'm a hundred percent with you. You know, the, uh, the Biden administration, I, I don't have to tell this to you, Christina, I'll tell it to the audience. Um, you know, they announced some new rules, basically trying to curb this explosion in ADHD, uh, prescriptions. Basically they've made it hard for people. Awful. Yeah. You know, they've been on this for 20 years to get it. And, you know, it's very much a mixed policy back, right? Because some of this stuff it makes sense, right? Uh, it is, uh, you know, you have to go get the first uh, prescription in person. It cannot be in telehealth. And then, you know, you sure. basically do it. But then you start really digging into the policy. And it's like, eh, if you're looking at some of the people that are doing this with social anxiety, maybe telehealth does need to be an option for this. And or maybe or the during the pandemic. Here, Right, right. 100%. Well, well, or, well, to my yeah, my my big my biggest problem with their entire policy, and I'm very critical of it, um, is that yeah. uh, because I think it's terrible, and I think that it had good intentions, and I think it's apps. I think a it hasn't stopped the street use at all, and b it's made people who are legitimately and not abusing their drugs, it's made it impossible for them to get because they've done right. an extra step, which is to say. And again, they're pun- because how they're punishing things is they're punishing the pharmacies. They are not. They're, that's who they're targeting. They're targeting the pharmacies, not the doctors. Investigate the doctors. You know how many scripts they're writing. You know how many people <laughs> yeah. are going out. You can look at the the issues that happen with them. And if you have a number of cases of people going into abuse and doctors not dealing with it, then those doctors should be the ones who are sanctioned. Pharmacies who are then told who are not given um, an amount of uh, pills that they can have. Period. They don't have. They don't know what the number is that that is hidden from them. The government has it basically um, a, a system set up where. Once you've given your allotment, you cannot get any more at that branch of a pharmacy. And it's different at every single branch. And the, the pharmacists don't know. The companies who are running the pharmacies don't know. And the, the you know patients who are trying to get their treatment are then screwed because you're now talking about, like, in my opinion, just the worst possible way of trying to deal with, with this sort of thing. Is there real abuse? Yes. But what you've done now is you've actually made it, made many people have to go to the, the black market so that they can get the medicine they actually need. So that's, but that's a that whole separate makes thing. No sense. It makes I, no something sense. Something I saw in rehab was once people had to turn to the street to start getting the high, that's when it really got out of control quickly. You know, yeah, but, stuff I, but I'm talking about cut. people who aren't going for a high. I'm talking about people who are getting no, it for uh, their actual I, medication. Right. 100%. I'm sorry if it sounds like I'm comparing that. What I'm saying is when you force people to turn to street drugs in a situation like that, that's when it really, that's when you start getting really dangerous, right? And that's when people end up in the court system. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm just saying that was a lot of what I saw. Yeah, and, and, so. and, and, and that's when people could potentially have drugs that are not pure and they're cut with other things. Exactly, and, you know, yeah. point. Like, yeah. yeah, right. And the way our, our criminal justice system treats drug users is 
bad. <laughs> to, 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 to oversimplify a, a complicated issue. Yeah, it's, it's very punitive, very punitive. So um, I think something yeah. we were talking about with this is I find like the reason I pay for Wall Street Journal, which is the most expensive paper by far, right, um, is because of articles like this. I thought this was really, really well done. So A, I was really surprised when uh, some allegations came forward that Twitter was censoring it, uh, which is a whole nother uh, subject. But I know all of us were really uh, disturbed. Well, disturbed may not be, that's probably too strong a word. We were disappointed with the kind of reblog Baffled. takes on this, Baffled, art, on, on this article. Yeah. Um, really being super sensationalistic, you know, over-focusing on Elon Musk when he's really just used as an illustrative point in this piece. Uh, just really, like, the 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 quality drop in journalism was so precipitous. It yeah. was truly astonishing. No, and then and then the, the, the dunks, too, right, by people who on any other day will, will be pro-drug and pro-decriminalization and 420 this and 420 that, and we'll talk yeah. about their own uses of, of, of mushrooms or other things, and, hey, that's cool, but then in this context, because it's people we don't like or we think we don't like, we might not even know them because, you know, tech people is a really broad category. Now we're going to dunk on them and be like, oh, this is, you know, they're, they're stoned all the time. And that's why they've ruined the world because they're on drugs. And I'm like, OK, way to completely miss the entire point. And also, in my opinion, like be sort of antithetical to positions that you yourself push, because that is a conservative talking point. Literally, that yeah. is a conservative talk. Absolutely. Like, yeah. like, like that, that yeah. and that's the thing that got me the most is I see all of these like super, super, you know, leftist, like, like anarcho-capitalist, like, like <laughs> socialism forever, huh? like, like, like Che Guevara, you know, like in the, you know, um, like profile photos saying this stuff. And I'm like, you do understand that what you're saying right now is literally the exact same talking points of like the, you know, the, the Christian fundamentalists and, and, and the people you think of as your enemies, like that's their talking points. Like, just because you don't like people, you shouldn't change that. That part of the conversation really illustrated why Twitter is still just one of the worst places for nuanced discussion. Because I, I think I think people genuinely like, yeah, if if you said that to them and they thought about it for a second, they'd be like, oh, yeah, dang, that's not quite lining up with my internal morals. But when you wave the red flag of dunking on someone on Twitter, which we all know we shouldn't do because it just it's just annoying. It's never funny. It's never it never like goes the way it never makes you look cool. It always makes you look just like mm, kind of uh, kind of like a dork who's <laughs> 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 maybe a little too invested in uh, making fun of people online. Uh, but you wave that red flag in front of people. They're like, oh, it is time for me to dunk on uh, checks notes. Uh, ketamine users and uh, medically prescribed psilocybin. Okay, no, yeah, it, it, it was very silly. But I think everything that you both just said illustrates why this is such a difficult issue to write about and why there, there are a few other topics like this that I think are very tricky for people to write about because there are real dangers involved broadly. And you can't just go out there and like wave a, a big flag, big drug pride flag and say, yay, drugs. <laughs> but as you pointed out, Christina, there are there are real benefits um, in these specific cases. And it, it, it everything you just said illustrates why that's tricky to write about in a way that gets across the message. Yeah. I think drug policy deserves better than Twitter discourse, in my opinion. Send it to the bank. 
Perfect take. <laughs> this episode of Rocket is brought to you by Factor. Now that it's summer, you might be looking for wholesome, convenient meals for sunny, active days. Get yourself out of the house. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit, and it can help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious, nutritious, ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track reaching your goals. With Factor, you can skip the trip to the grocery store. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are ready in just two minutes, which is much faster than restaurant delivery. And you can elevate eating at home with their new upscale surf and turf options. Whoa! Like roasted garlic filet mignon and shrimp. What? Factor offer more than 34 delicious weekly options to fit a variety of lifestyles, including keto, calorie smart, vegan and veggie, and protein plus. And because they're prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians, each meal has everything you need. Plus, you can select from more than 45 add-ons, including breakfast items like apple cinnamon pancakes, bacon and cheddar egg bites, cold-pressed juices, shakes and smoothies. And you can rest assured that you're making a sustainable choice because Factor offset 100% of their delivery emissions to your door, along with sourcing renewable energy and featuring sustainably sourced seafood. I freaking loved receiving these little meals, y'all. I've talked before about how happy I was, like... I get excited every time food shows up at my door, but this time, like having the boxes in there and being knowing that it was available at any time and that I could either heat it up in the microwave or if I wanted to, like pop it in my oven. It'd take a little longer, but sometimes I like heating things in the oven because it makes me feel fancier. I don't know if this, I don't know if it's actually better to heat things in the oven. It doesn't matter because you have the choice. You can do what you want. You don't have to look up whether it's better or worse. You just do it. Um, and plus they were all freaking delicious. I carted some to work. I heated them up at work. People were like, is that factor? And I was like, yes, it's factor. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then I ate it in front of them and they cried (laughs) because they didn't have it yet. It was mine, my delicious meals. Um, And every single one, I know I've said this every single time that they have sponsored us. However, I will continue to say it every single time. There was enough sauce in every meal that I got. Like I had this chicken uh, with cilantro, I think it was cauliflower rice, and it had this jalapeno lime sauce. And there was enough sauce so that I, a person who at Thanksgiving will pile onto my fork a small piece of every part of the Thanksgiving plate – and put it all in my mouth, I could do that with this meal and have enough sauce to go with every bite. And it felt so nice to be able to do that. I think about it. I think about it often. Um, this June, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door, ready in just two minutes. No prep, no mess. Head to factormeals.com slash rocket50 and use code rocket50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code rocket50 at factormeals.com slash rocket50, uh, the numbers five and number zero, to get 50% off your first box. Our thanks to Factor for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Thank you so much, you delicious food service. I've got to try that. You know, it's like I love to cook. Um, and I use a past like meal plan sponsor or meal box sponsor uh, for that. Uh, but there's some days I'm like, I've been in meetings. I just don't have time. You know, That's DoorDash, the thing. You need the which variety. is so crazy expensive. Do you know yep. what I mean? Yep. 
always have some things on hand that you're cooking, some things on hand that you're heating. 100%. And that's, how, that's the path to happiness because we can't do it all because we're not medieval peasants who <laughs> do nothing but keep house all day. Anyway, reactions to the Mac Pro are in and they are leaning towards it's good, but no one cares because laptop good and maybe even better. Uh, so The Verge had a piece uh, this week talking to several professionals who work in the areas that Apple is targeting with the Mac Pro, which is, again, like their standalone computer. You hook up to a beautiful, beautiful monitor. You get gorgeous, gorgeous visuals. Theoretically, you do all the pro things that one would want to do with this computer, such as animation, editing, uh, engineering, audio, uh, various things, all those things. Obviously, the Mac Pro can't do those things. However, like I said, The Verge talked to several people who do do those things. Um, and they all kind of landed on like, this is, this is nice, but it's not $7,000 nice. Right. Uh, the piece also goes on to point out that compared to the 2019 Mac Pro, this new 2023 model is less upgradable. It has a max memory of 192 gigabytes. Uh, there are two processor options and its performance is quite similar to the also new Mac Studio, which it's we're going to talk identical. about a little bit. It's identical. Yeah. Okay. I wrote really similar because I wasn't sure if I wanted to go on record saying identical. No, no, it's identical. The but benchmarks are literally... Queen. No, in some, in some <laughs> benchmarks, it's actually higher on the studio, which means that that to me suggests... Uh, like, like like a No, but but it's it's so close that it could be... You could have different results if you ran the test 50 different times. It's mm-hmm. the same ship. It's the same amount of memory. It's the same performance. Mm-hmm. And the Mac uh, Pro, uh, same per- or similar, yeah, same performance, has more ports and six PCIe expansion slots, uh, sort of a stand for that lost modularity. But as uh, has been pointed out, still not ideal because for one thing, they don't support desktop GPUs. Yep. Uh, so, like I said, most of the people the Verge talked to seem to feel like that's okay. Uh, these things are really they're they're nice. But they're not $7,000 nice. Meanwhile, the Mac Studio, a delightful little box, is being quite well-received, with Wired declaring that it is, yes, expensive, which I think one can say of every Apple product, but it fits well into that existing Mac ecosystem, has a good amount of ports, and it performs, and I will quote here, excellent. It has excellent performance. That's a a, a hefty word to use in a product review. Excellent. Uh, so what what do y'all think about these initial reactions to the Mac Pro? Brianna, what do you think? Um, you know, it's pretty much the exact same as theirs. Uh, you know, as my job has moved more into political fundraising, right, uh, I am thinking a lot less about, uh, you know, super powerful computers. But, you know, this is, um, it, it, it just seems to me, it's like the Mac laptop with the the M1 Pro, the Max, what is it? The Max mm-hmm. Pro in it. I, you look at the benchmarks for it, it's so crazy overpowered, right? Like, I, just for 4K encoding, that's going to be fine. I don't, 8K is not even a real use case yet, right? So, it, it, like, every task I've ever tried, like, even going through my Lightroom uh, library on my basic you know, a uh, normal uh, Mac laptop, right? I can do like filters across my entire Lightroom uh, library, which is a very, you know, CPU intensive task. And it, it does it just fine. You know, it will transcode uh, audio files I'm trying to convert uh, really well. So I think that it's this exact same problem the Mac Pro has always had. Who is this for? For yeah. serious 3D stuff. 
you're going to go with the Windows machine yes. just because of the, the number of GPUs they've got. I'm sorry, ZBrush, they finally ended, um, like they've made you start paying and upgrading for it. There, there are a lot of people like me that just paid $400 for the V1. Now it's <laughs> something you have to continually spend money on. And yeah, you just need like the the newest, most modern, you know, NVIDIA uh, GPUs to do that really, really well. I'm sorry, that's a Windows game. Mac does not have that ecosystem, so 3D people are out. I, I truly don't think there's a professional workflow that you can't do on Apple's laptops right now. I, I just don't know who this is for at this point. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same thing. This is definitely like, I don't know why they bothered. I mean, I do know why they bothered. Um they they think that they uh, okay this is my personal conspiracy theory and i have absolutely nothing to base this on but this is my personal Ooh. conspiracy theory i think that because especially they can make these things rack mountable uh, which they did with the other one too i have a feeling that apple for a lot of their own uses for things like xcloud uh, xcode cloud and some of their other build systems and some of their other tooling internally has probably a lot of uh, machines in um, data centers and they could take advantage of the PCIe slots, uh, probably for extra storage, um, uh, arrays to be completely honest with you. And so, um, and if they have enough of them, then the memory limits don't really impact them as much. They can virtualize as much to their heart's content because they're Apple. And so the policies that they prevent for other people, uh, don't apply to them. Um, and so <laughs> in my mind, I'm kind of like, they had to create a, a product that they needed in their own data centers. They are reusing the chassis and power supply, which is like ridiculously overpowered for what this thing actually needs. Um, and, and some of the other components from, you know, the Intel machine, which by all accounts didn't sell super well because it was very expensive and was a very niche product and was basically them like making good on a promise that they'd made years earlier. And so my conspiracy theory, again, I've no like basis in in reality on this at all. But my conspiracy theory is that they needed a product internally and they just decided, well, why don't we just sell it and see how many of these we can sell? Yeah. Um, mm. Because there is there is no, I mean, as the verse piece kind of points out, but I've been having this discussion with people um, before that. I cannot think of any use case where this would actually be like, uh, again, outside of maybe something like, like Apple, where you're going to be in a data center where this this would actually be advantageous because okay you get two extra thunderbolt uh ports and you get some extra usb th uh seat ports and you have some extra um you know pci express four lanes but because you can't use those pci express uh, four lanes with anything really but network cards you can't use them for video capture cards you you can't use so you can use it for network you can use it for storage and I guess you could use it for some audio interface stuff. The problem is, is that all the audio interface stuff, because it took them so long to come out with this, they've come up with solutions where you can put those things into enclosures and use it over a Thunderbolt anyway. So like the, the, and, and the number of lanes that, that are available are still probably not as many as you would need if you were talking about real pro applications, in which case you'd be looking at an AMD Epic or, or, you know, um, a Xeons. And in things that can have way, way, way more PCI lanes. When it comes to you know video production stuff, uh, as we've discussed for years, the high-end visual effects studios they might still use a Mac, um, usually not Final Cut, 
they might still use Macs for, for some of their editing, but they're using Avid. They're using, you know, the, the Adobe suite. They're using DaVinci Resolve. But all of the processing, all the rendering that's happening, that's happening on Linux servers and Linux machines. And that's mm-hmm. been the case for many, many years. Um, in game studios, it's the same way. These can't do that. When you look at AI and you're talking about people like, oh, well, it could be good for, you know, big, big levels of, of machine learning. No, it wouldn't. It's limited to 192 gigs of RAM, which is going to be a bottleneck. The GPU, which is great for what it is, is not going to come close to the, the 4090s to say nothing of the actually expensive, like 10, $20,000 mach- uh, 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 GPUs that are actually used for training big models. Um, and, and you have people in those cases who are sometimes needing terabytes of RAM. And so those users are not, u- are not going to be able to be served by this either, to say nothing of the fact that most, um, you know, like uh, big uh, machine learning work and other things are standardized on CUDA, which is a NVIDIA uh, thing. So yeah, I, I which don't know. Can I say right. something about what you just yeah. said? Because uh, this is so dead on. If you think about, um, so when I was like doing a lot more game development, right, um, it was just getting to the point where cloud computing, as far as rendering, um, like clients for this, were really taking off, right? Like, yep. you know, Amazon S3 was a lot more, not obscure, but, you know, it wasn't like the the behemoth, the entire industry like it is today right. in the same way. And it was it was really, really like quirky back then mm. because you'd be trying to insert these clients into the command line and all of that. But think about like, for like a game studio or for a movie studio, really think about what you're trying to do there. So it's a small, a relatively small file that you're dealing with, right? Like under a gigabyte, right? And then the thing that you're getting back is also relatively small, right? Like you're talking about frames for a movie, but like in comparison with the the computation that you're doing, I it really is a it's it's tailor made for cloud servers, right? Yeah. Like maybe if you're someone like Disney where you're like putting out four movies a year, it would make sense to okay, I want to own the whole enchilada. <laughs> right, you have your my own computer is going to be you know you have your own data center. Yeah. relatively soon. Um, it makes sense to like own this whole server form. But for most applications where people are rendering things, the cloud is a much better solution, right? Because it it just doesn't, to have that much horsepower as much as a freaking cloud farm, right? Right. You just can't spend that much money. Well, no, and not only that, but even in in people who are doing it locally, like Disney, Disney is still using their own data centers. So it's not as if it's being done on single machines. It is being done on racks of machines. And that's been the case since Pixar was starting to do this stuff, you know, in, in the 90s. So, and, and, and the, the difference is that now sometimes in some cases, you don't even have to have the, ma- the major server farms. You can do things on your own machine because the, the power has come down so much. But like, yeah, whether you're, even if you're not using a cloud service like, like Azure or Amazon or Google or whatever, it, you're still essentially using a remote machine for the vast majority of it. You're, you're dead on. And, and it's not like you can build an array of these things. I mean, Apple can, and Apple needs to um, for a lot of their stuff, but I don't know anyone else who's going to be, as a, as a business entity, being like, yes, let's invest you know, tens of thousands of dollars in these, in these machines for what? Like I, I was saying to somebody in the Mac Rumors forums when this was kind of being discussed, I guess, after the announcement, because I'd made a recommendation uh, three years ago now 
where uh, people have been kind of like uh, curious about, you know, should I get, you know, like a, a, an Intel Mac Pro or maybe it was two years ago, Mac Pro or like a, the, the first like Mac Studio with, with the first with the M1 um, Ultra chip or what should I do? Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, you should get an M1 Ultra um, at the time and you should then spend like the remaining money that's, you know, whatever it would cost, uh, you know, to, to get a Mac Pro or whatever to buy a really high end um, you know, uh, windows or, or uh, machine basically, uh, or, or Linux or whatever the case may be. And, and that's, I think what I would still say to people, like if, if you're somebody who is needing more of that kind of power that you really feel like you need it. Okay. Buy the, the Mac studio, get, get the M2 ultra. That's going to be a great machine and do all the power you need and, and, and spend four or five grand on it or whatever you need to. But that difference between what that costs and then where the Mac pro starts take that three or four thousand dollars and and build out a really amazing you know amd epic or um or or intel server and and put in a really high powered gpu you might spend a little bit more but then you're actually going to achieve what you need to achieve right like mm-hmm. I, I i just i don't see in any way like what the other than somebody liking it to look good on and their be desk able to upgrade it when it gets old right exactly because that's the thing is like they, they, they've sold an appliance and that's fine. Um, but like the RAM thing is honestly like I've, I've, I've seen some anecdotes from people who are like, yeah, the RAM thing is actually a really big deal. And I understand why Apple solders the RAM and why it's not extensible. And I, I get it. It's all part of their SOC system. But, you know, the, the, pat, the last one could do like one and a half terabytes, I think. And this one can do 192 gigabytes. That if you really, truly needed those tasks and to be clear, most people did not. This is not going to fit your needs. If you did want to take advantage of many of the other great things in the, you know, the, the M2, uh, platform. And if you wanted to use, you know, the, the stuff for rendering and, and all that stuff, cause it's, it's a great, you know, chip. It's like, there's no advantage that I can see except for, you know, unless you're literally needing racks of these things and you would need yeah, to have they, a bunch <laughs> of storage. Like if, if you needed to have a you whole bunch of drives. You have answered one of the in. questions that I yeah. had, which was kind of like, what it, can they kill it? And would there like be any, I guess, financial loss if they killed it? And the answer that I'm kind of hearing from you is theoretically, we'll never know because they might have a, a secret use for it. Or yeah, a I was going to say. Just, it doesn't matter that the consumer response to it doesn't necessarily matter because they might get be getting something else out of it. Yeah. And I, I and I, and I wonder too if the pricing is is designated that way because there's no way yeah. that adding the the two, like we don't the, want the, the to make a ports, lot of these things we just want to make as many as we need to. Well, that's kind right. of what I'm thinking, right? Because like yeah. there's no way that like the the bill of materials cost would be that significant when the chips are the same, the RAM is the same to have the PCI lanes and to have the um, the extra ports. Like there's to me it's for beauty. Yeah, well, or or it's sometimes it happens. I was having a, a unrelated conversation with someone yesterday, and sometimes people price things that way. To basically convince you not to buy it, yeah, and that yeah. might be what this is. That that's kind of my take. Oh, I just I, I know we gotta move on. I, I it's just it's so frustrating that if you're looking at creative people, right, the power of the M1 chip, it's really very clearly going to excel at anything CPU bound, right? So anything like transcoding, anything like that, like with uh, you know Premiere or Photoshop or you know Lightroom. An M1 Mac is going to be great at that. That's not the damn problem that you need a Mac Pro to solve. You know, Apple, if they were really serious about this space, they would have been focused 
on figuring out a way to get the one component that people need in their Macs that they're just not interested in doing. Yeah. And that is NVIDIA, mm-hmm. serious gamer class GPs. Or pro right? class, yeah. They, they've, they've been chasing everything else for years. And it's like the one thing, yeah, I know they did the Thunderbolt 3 thing, like connect it for a while and like supported a couple of actually kind of old uh, GPUs with it and then quietly stopped doing that, uh, supporting it in a real way. But it's just like, for what you were talking about, Christina, if you are an actual professional and say you do ZBrush for a living, right? Or you do Maya for a living or Max for a living. This is what you do. You hit three, you put it in gray mode, and you render and work around at things at like a lower uh, resolution, right? To get a feel for it, and then you pass it off. The better GPU you can use, the faster that is, the more responsive it is, the more like you're going to get updated on what you're doing. It's that snappiness that you want from your machine. There's no feature that Apple could put that makes your CPU faster that's going to matter as much as being able to put like a NVIDIA, you know, 4090 in it, right? So they're just, they're fundamentally chasing the wrong problem here. It's a beautiful machine. Oh, yeah. What Apple to win, but the industry has changed so much since when the Mac Pro was relevant, or at least arguably relevant, that I mean, it, well, and, it really and, and is. It's it, like it old has. school, like twelve core Mac Pro. Totally, like the, well, the, they, the cheese grater. Well, that was the last. It good was. One. Well, they used to. Yeah. Sell, well, look, they used to sell actual workstations, and yeah. and then and then they did the uh, the trash can, um, and, and that you know uh, did not go over well. And and then, you know, they finally came back and were like, yes, we're going to do it. And only to basically kind of Sherlock it six months later, which is, it is what it is. But, um, I mean, I think even at the time, people kind of knew they're like, this is probably, you know, everyone knew they were working on their own chips. But, hey, they finally, like, gave us what we wanted. And it's very expensive, but it, it does uh, achieve what you wanted to achieve. I will say, I think that for a lot of use cases uh, for, you know, um, uh not high-end studio work, certainly not, you know, people who are making, you know, uh, a, a lot of games and, and people who are, you know, doing some of the really, really heavy processing work for visual effects. I think the m- many people will be very, very well suited with um, a, an M2 uh, studio. I, I would like to get an M2 studio. Like, I, I'm looking at that. I have no very need for it. recommendation. But, but, but I, I would like to get one of those. But, but I would love Reading to get one of those, reviews. right? Yes. Yeah, I would yes. I would love to get one of those. And I think that's like a great value and a really good thing. Um, it's the pro, which I think kind of to your point, I mean, I think that if anything's really can really taught us, like for all their talk about how much they care about the pro ecosystem, they care about a part of the pro ecosystem. They don't yep. really care about where the pro ecosystem is now. And and that's been apparent for a long time. But I think that that just, you know, when when you literally, you know, Monica couldn't find a single person who was like, yeah, I'm going to order this. That's that's hard. That's hard. Or or somebody who actually understood what industry it was for. Let's talk about drones. Yes. Yes. Brianna, last time we left you, you had been trying to decide between two different kinds of drones for photography. And you were recommended to go out and rent, I think, the more expensive one. I did. And you have done so. I did. Remind us the models of drones that you were looking at and then what you ended up renting. Yes, I was looking at the Mavic Air uh, 2S and then also the uh, the Mavic uh, 
three, the Mavic 3 Pro or Pro 3, one of gotcha. the other. Mavic Pro 3 is the uh, the better drone. It, uh, when you get all the goodies with it, is $3,000 basically. And the Mavic Air 2S is basically $1,000, maybe ah. $1,500 if you get the uh, the goodies to, for it. So, Pretty wide uh, golf. Uh, yeah, really, really wide golf. So on Christina's recommendation, uh, I went out and rented this uh, with all the discounts and stuff for four days over the weekend. Sick. It cost me about $300 to get this. And y'all, I have to tell you, this is, if you love tech at all, you're going to love drone photography. It is so cool. It is, it updates instantly. It's not quirky at all. It is so much fun. I love this. So um, so this is the more expensive model that yes, you tested out. Yeah, I did. And I showed you all some of the pictures. It looks great. You were crisp. Yeah, really, really good stuff. So um, the way it works with the modern one is it's got a lot of sensor technology in it. Like if I try to point it towards my house to actually fly into my house and break <sighs> It will detect this, and even if you hold down the thumbstick, forcing it to fly into Ah. your house, it will not do that. It will change altitude a little bit to, like, go up and automatically go over things, uh, which is really, really good. This is a particularly difficult drone to crash. I did notice when I was um, taking off, like, I went hiking this weekend, uh, so if you can like look up at like a 45 degree angle over the cloud, the tree canopy to get the drone up into the sky, like you could launch it at 45 degrees, but there's a button on it that just goes automatic home. And if the sky is not completely clear above you, oh. then you've got to kind of guide it down yourself and, and do that. So some of the more beautiful shots that I got um, did require uh, that. It was also really, really space hungry and required like the very, very, very fastest SD card that they make. I had mm. to get that overnighted to me. Yep. Um, but I, I just have to say the technology... I was astonished with how uh, uh, great this is. So um, before I tell you the story of me nearly getting arrested uh, from doing yes. drone photography this weekend, I wanted to ask if y'all had any questions about uh, any of the tech stuff. Yeah, I have one. <laughs> so at what point did you decide to test crashing the rental drone into your house? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'd read about how it um, like will automatically stop, and I noticed that um, it would like really slow down when it was near uh, uh, things. Like this thing is really, really, really fast. Like uh, yeah. you can put it in sports mode, and it turns all the safety features off, and it's just like you can like, race <laughs> crazy fast. Uh, but it does have like the a really good argument to get the uh, the the Mavic Three. Pro, as I understand it, is it really does have all these safety uh, features built into it. So mm-hmm. it's it's freaking awesome. Yeah. I got one more, but Christina, do you have any? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I just want to say, so um, so this was, did were you testing the Mavic Pro 3 or was it a different uh, variant? It was the Mavic Pro 3. Okay. And um, I guess, uh, when it, so you needed a really high speed um, uh, mic, uh, uh, um, SD card, I, I, I guess, um, yep. uh, is, is what in it. And um, what was, uh, I guess, what was kind of like your flight time like and what was, I guess, kind of like the control experience like um, w- w- with it? 
So it is hard to control. I mean, it was easy mm. for me to control, but I've also been playing like twin stick uh, flight games for my entire life. Um, I handed it to Frank and like he was just automatically trying to crash it. Could not <laughs> figure out how to turn it or anything like that. Um, I actually ended up taking over because I was worried about <laughs> that. Um, it's it's tricky, right? Because on the, um, on the left stick, up and down makes it go... Um, like raise in altitude, and then in the left stick, uh, up and down makes it um, uh, go forward and backwards. But then it's switched, so with your right hand, that's making it turn left or right, and then it's making it strafe left or right with your other hand. Oh. So it's it's tricky to get used to. I'm not going to lie. Um, uh, as far as flight time, if you are really going very far, and fast, it really eats it up. I took some pictures where I wanted, uh, like, I wanted my, uh, I set my drone to just hover in my driveway uh, while I positioned all my cars there to get these really yeah. cool down shots of all of them. Uh, um, and the the flight time is fantastic. Then it was like double what it should have been. Uh, but you could probably get between maybe 15 if you're really pushing it and uh, maybe 30 minutes with it. So I would definitely uh, recommend like carrying extra batteries with you. Oh uh, Yeah, that was going to be my follow up is whether it would be possible to like take it on a long hike and like refresh and refresh and keep it going. So it sounds yeah. like it takes batteries in there. Yeah, the the Flymore kit has like three batteries in it and, you know, like 30 minutes, 30 minutes, 30 minutes, that's pretty reasonable, right? You're also not burning the entire battery every time you send it up to get a shot. Yeah, you're just like going up, coming down, going up, coming down. it it takes a while to launch it, right? Because you've got to fold everything out and go through all the safety procedures and get a good landing spot and then launch it into the air, which is, I mean, it's tricky, right? Um, So it just, it it takes some getting to, to... it takes some learning with it and I didn't even have time to get into like the auto follow features and to really work with like F stops and stuff like that. But hand to God, like the shots I got were just absolutely gorgeous. My biggest uh, question with it are the legal troubles she can find herself in, which is what I want to talk about. Okay. Yeah. Tell us about how you got arrested or almost got arrested. (laughs) Okay. So before when I was starting this, of course, the very first thing I did was I went to the Massachusetts uh, law page on um, like um, drones, right? So I wanted to see if you had any ordinances of, of where you can fly and what you can do. Right. It makes a lot of sense. Like, don't fly close down in like heavily populated areas. Right. Uh, Don't go near airports, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, You know, keep it under 100 feet. And certain towns have passed uh, uh, drone restrictions. Right. So I'm like, great, I can do that. This is a relatively simple set of rules. Uh, So um, I made really, really sure because it's loud to not use it like at 7 a.m. because it's like louder than a leaf blower and I don't want to piss off my neighbors. Yeah, it's really loud. Yeah, many of them are loud. The the air and some of the other smaller ones are more quiet just for any of our listeners who are making these investigations. The the less expensive ones, not going to maybe be as powerful, give you, you know, as great a photography, although it's still really good, but they do tend to be quieter. Right. Sorry, sorry, go on. No, no, no. Um, so uh, so I'm looking around, and I go out to Westwood, 
right? And there's a really, really small airport out by Westwood, but uh, like all the cool car dealerships are over in Westwood. Like that's where the Ferrari dealership is in Norwood. So I, uh, I wanted to send it up and go take some uh, uh, pictures out there. Um, and it was really interesting. It actually, because there's a really small regional airport, <gasps> like half a mile from there, oh, this no. was good. It goes, oh, cannot okay. take off, warning, oh. error, would not let me launch it, no matter what, even though I was nowhere near an actual airport. So right. that was really cool. I thought that nice. was really good. That gave me some confidence that they've geofenced some mm. stuff to kind of keep me away from things that shouldn't be there. So then, um, you know, I start going around Massachusetts, just driving around near my house, getting all the cool light sights near me. Um, yeah, I decide I'm over near uh, Patriot Stadium, right? There's no football game this weekend. Uh, it tends to be dead at 7 o'clock in the morning. And I'm just like, let me go get some pictures over there. So uh, I fly out there. Like, again, there's no event or anything. And I fly my drone up in the air and just taking pictures, not even over the stadium, just of what the stadium looks like from the air. I'm not a big football gal, but, you know, Patriot Stadium is, it's a, it's a landmark in Massachusetts, yeah. right? Um, people love that thing there. Uh, people love it. And it's, you know, where my go-to movie theater is. So, um, yeah, I land my drone and I'm about to take off and like, Two security trucks are driving towards me with the with the irons on, and all of that. So they had picked up my transponder <gasps> signal on the drone, and even though this particular town, because I checked first, does not have any anti drone ordinance. Oh no. They're over with me, and they're like, you cannot fly stuff here. You cannot do this. And they are calling security, and they're backing behind me so I can't pull my car out. Like, of course, oh I complied goodness. with them. And, you know, it's this really tense 30 minutes where we're finding out they were going to call the cops on me or not for doing this. Oh, right? my gosh. Um, so, and they told me, they're like, we got the transponder signal of this drone. It's been registered. If you ever fly it here again, we will press charges. And you're we'll like, it's a you, rental. Right, right. <laughs> we'll let you go in this circumstance. Here is a letter, a legal letter, uh, outlining all of our drone policies. Oh, my gosh. Um, and if you do this again, you will be formally banned from ever coming to this stadium. And Never be able then, to watch football again. Right. Well, like, gotcha. <laughs> you know, and they asked me to delete the pictures of the stadium. Of course, I complied. But um, they really were not around with that. Sorry for my language. Um, yeah, I guess it's because, like, they're, like, for a broadcast, they're probably thinking about people, like, you Usurping know, stealing, them, frankly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Stealing very expensive rights or maybe spying on the team when they're practicing. I don't know. But um, it was a really scary experience. That seems so silly, but yeah, uh, ter- like yeah, like a terrifying response to something that seems so innocuous. Right. Wow, uh, bonkers. Does that give you any, I guess, pause about yeah committing to say, the drone lifestyle? Yeah, it really does. I mean, like y'all are both journalists, so you know people are weird about taking mm-hmm. photos when 100%. you're just doing your job. And you add this into it, I, uh, I mm. it definitely gives me pause. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to be honest. This is one of the reasons why I don't have a drone because you'd asked me that before. A lot of people have asked me. They're like, Christina, you're the perfect person for a drone. I'm like, you're right. And I've used them and I like them. But 
I have those exact same fears. And I'm just like, I, I don't know how much I want to have to do research and go out of my way to find places that do it. Like I lived, if I lived in some nice big plot of land or in suburbia or something and I could use it in my own space, well, like that would be one thing. Is probably not the place that they would not call the cops on you for using a drone TV. Well, well, uh, well, it, well, it depends on, it depends because some, some. Dead in the suburbia, we have no laws here about it. Right, so, right. I was going to yeah. say many, many, yeah. uh, many places like that, they're going to be behind on ordinances. It depends on what type of sur- suburbs you're in. But like, if you have like a lot of land and it's your own personal land and other stuff, and if you're not getting into any like airspace stuff, that's fine. But as soon as like you go any of the places you actually would want to record and like get interesting shots. This was the yeah. challenge I was running into, at least in, in uh, because Seattle has things that are separate from Washington state and Washington state has its own things and Bellevue has things. And I was just, I looked into it and I went, and this was before hearing Bree's horror story. And I was just thinking, I was like, well, I don't want to be having to deal with, you know, people yelling at you or whatever. Um, yeah. I hadn't even put it into place like, oh, yeah, I know there could be cops involved and all of that. And like, honestly, like who wants that have to deal with that sort of thing on your record? Right. Like, I really don't want to get hauled in um, to, uh, to to, you know, be processed. Be a very silly reason to go to jail. I mean, it what would. are you Anna, for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, you'd be out that day more than likely to pay, you know, depending on what time it is. But like then you then that puts my TSA pre-check uh, at risk, which Oof. like, like that, that's going to, you know what I mean? Okay sacrifice so, to make. For, exactly. So, so Brianna, are you still like it. considering whether or not you're going to make that decision? Like yeah, where, no, where are you I'm at still going to get one. You it, are going to get one. It's okay. a lot of fun. It, you know, to your point, Christina, um, it very, very quickly got old what I wanted to photograph around my house. Yep. And like, and don't get me wrong. I've got some, like once you see, the area around your house from the sky, it's really addictive because you you understand the layout mm-hmm. of stuff so much better. Like mm. there is, um, uh, do you know how the X-Men train at the Xavier School for Gifted, like, um, you know, Gifted not. Youth? Uh, like, and that's in Massachusetts. That school or one exactly like it, like where people, their mansions and stuff like that. That's right next to my house. Oh, that's cool. So I got to like go up in the air and actually look at that property. And I'm like, wow, Dedham is a lot bougier than I thought it was. This is a little, this is a little nuts. This wow. is where the kids are going to school here. Wow. Okay. That's really nice. Um, but there's also like, it's also something I did in like two days, right? Like, looking at everything probably half a mile from my house, right? So then it's like, okay, let me drive to downtown Dedham and get some pictures here. Oh, there's the cop over there. Probably don't want to launch a drone into the air near a cop because who needs the headache? So it's becoming like this subversive thing. Like, how can I, how can I do this? And like evade people? I don't know. Um, It's a lot of fun though. And they're, I, I would say a lot of the video footage you get, I think that if you buy this, it's going to get very samey very quickly because like gorgeous shots from the air of lakes and trees and all of yeah. that. I, it's great. It's beautiful. But it's, you know, I thought the still photography of landmarks, that was a lot more interesting to me. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to hear where you decide to end up using it and like what 100%. context is useful to you. And yeah. I hope that you continue to evade the police. Me too. <laughs> and actually, I mean, it might be fun. Like you travel a lot more than I do by car. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so there, it's very likely that <gasps> there are going to be places car. you can, um, but, <gasps> but, but there are regulations in terms of on public roads, but you can, but depending on kind of where you are, but yeah, you could do that. But I'm thinking like, you know, when you go to Florida a lot, whatnot, look into, to their, um, uh, ordinances, uh, they're probably more lax. And I don't that could be think fun. About They're what lax, but you might do. get shot. Well, no, 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 no. Disney. I'm not talking about Disney, but I'm Ooh. talking about just kind of in like the general like vicinity. Obviously, not at the park, uh, but but you know, but even like just around you know the Florida area. And if you're if you ever happen to go anywhere other than Orlando, yeah, you know, upstate yeah. New York, we go there all yeah, the time. Vermont, yeah, see, gorgeous. which would be great. Sweet. Yeah. Peeping. All right, let's wrap this up and talk about what we are doing this week. Christina, what are you up to? Um, I'm going to be, I think, taking next week off. So I'm just chilling, um, enjoying, uh, you know, celebrating America. Woohoo. And um, and yeah, that's about it. Cool. Uh, Brianna, what are you up to? Uh, I'm a guest of honor uh, at a convention uh, for Baycon, so I'm nice. heading out to uh, uh, Silicon Valley tomorrow, oh. where I'm going to be uh, doing, uh, I'm going to be on Twit, uh, Twit this weekend, nice. uh, in person in the studio, and uh, I'm going to be doing my job continuing for Americans for Contraception, which I'm Yay. really excited for. That's great. That's awesome. Congratulations. Uh, this weekend, I, I've been filming a video this week. Uh, again, as I said, my coworker is dressing up as Mario for a week. So I've, I've just run in all over the city following a, a small person dressed as Mario around. What's the response um, been like? like you know, I'm not trying to ruin the video. People just are to- so happy, Christina. Yeah. Literally, when they when they saw Tina dressed as Mario, they were like, oh my God, Mario. The woman at the archery booth at Coney Island, literally like we were, we were approaching and we were going to, I was going to film Tina doing archery. Um, and I didn't have my camera out. Cause I was like, we're, we're just walking up. We'll probably walk in. No, this woman like came out of the booth and like arms open oh. and was like, Oh my God, Mario. Oh. And like kids were so happy. Like, and, and Tina was even mentioning that like when they're dressed as Mario, like they don't get cat called at all. Uh, people, but people will go like Mario. <laughs> So they're like, this is interesting and maybe more positive than I thought it would be. Like, we thought it would be maybe exhausting to be Mario, but it turns out everyone freaking loves Mario. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's my story. I will be uh, getting the uh, the offshoot joy of people seeing Mario on the subway and on the street. No, I love this. I love this because my, my, my big fear was I, I knew they wouldn't be mad, but like I was I was worried they might be like you know, apathetic. No, no, just like apathetic just, just tomorrow, even worse. Right. I mean, that'd be the thing. Like, you know, you see randos all over the, the city dressed up in all kinds of ways and you just be like, eh, whatever. So I'm, I'm, I'm so excited that, that they are um, excited and, and I'd be it. worried about it. Nintendo suing me because they're so litigious. Oh, well, yeah, I mean, they've got so many like off brand, uh, plushies at Coney Island. <laughs> they, they got work to do. Um, Whatchamacallit, what are we, where are we online? Brianna, where are you online? Uh, I'm at Brianna Wu on Twitter and uh, Brianna on Blue Sky. And Christina? I'm film underscore girl on Twitter and film underscore girl at mastodon.social and film girl, one word on Blue Sky. And I am film underscore girl on Instagram. 
All right. And I'm Doom Quasar everywhere. And our show is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where you can give us a rating if you so desire, hopefully one of five stars, which helps us uh, get more visibility, helps more listeners find the show. Um, And that's a wonderful thing for us. If you'd like to support us directly and get an ad-free show with a bonus segment, which some people are about to hear, uh, where we are ranking people whose lawyers and managers wish they would just shut up, um, you can go to relay.fm slash membership and find out how you can support us. Uh, And we really appreciate people doing that, especially in these dry times uh, of uh, a podcast sponsorship. Um, Thank you so much, all our boosties, our booster subscribers who are keeping the lights on here at Rocket. This episode of Rocket is terminated. 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 Terminated.